Here we are, Cooking with the Hazelnuts, show number 19, packed full of information and fun. A lot of time with us putting up with each other. (laughs) (laughs) I thought maybe you were asking if I'm allowed in public grocery stores. (laughs) (laughs) So hi, everybody. Hey, everybody. It's time to knock off another show. (laughs) (laughs) Show number 19. Is it 19? I thought it was 18. I guess you've been counting. 19. Yeah, wow. That is really cool. It really is. So the one right after Thanksgiving will be 20. Wow. Hey, that's really good. How did you manage to count up from 19 to 20 like that? That's that's great. (laughs) Well, it's pretty impressive that it coincides with Thanksgiving like that. Is it? I think. I think it is. Okay. I I guess I do too, you know, because it's uh, a lot of time with you guys. That will be well. So far, we've spent uh, nineteen hours together. (laughs) A lot of time with us putting up with each other. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, and we even put up with each other, so it's double fold. (laughs) Just like when I called her up and said, "You got time?" Yeah, I guess so. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Well, just think the auction's going to be happening soon, and that Opti Grill is already listed. I just thoroughly cleaned my OptiGrill here this uh, just a few minutes ago because I am having a ham panini. Oh, okay. We, and there's nothing I like better than to have. Uh, I just happen to have some thick Texas bread. Hmm. Oh, paninis are so good on the Opti. Do you have Publix grocery stores where you are? No. No? Okay. I had to think about that. I thought maybe you were asking if I'm allowed in public grocery stores. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Publix has this five-grain Italian that I love. Uh, I don't eat as much bread now as I used to, but, oh, my God, I used to make paninis with that a lot. I don't either. I don't eat as much bread as I used to either. And I love bread. (laughs) Yeah. But um, unfortunately, uh, I've just learned to um, <laughs> try to stave off uh, so I'm not such a big, big R. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't want a small, big R. Now, no. listen. <laughs> no. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we're here to talk to you some more about holiday cooking. Yeah, we're going to talk about meats and turkeys, and we have some holiday recipes coming up, and we really appreciate the voicemails that you guys have been sending. Yeah, that's really great. Keep it up. Yeah, and I also want us to talk about um, not only the meats, but the different, so many different ways to make stuffing. Oh, yeah. Oh, sure. Oh, man. Oh, man. Yeah. And with holiday traditions, there always comes with holiday stories. And I got one that I want to talk to you about right now. It has a happy, funny ending, but it wasn't so happy. When I was a nine-year-old little big R, (laughs) 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 I had the flu so bad. Oh, no. I got it on like a Monday or Tuesday. And I remember, the reason I remember this so well, a lot of neat things happened. One, um, uh, in the major throes of this flu thing that I had... I got my very first Braille writer. Wow. It came, and I didn't feel like messing around with it. I was nine years old, as I say, and uh, I looked at everything there was to offer, and 
My dad said, well, being that you cannot eat solid foods or very many solid foods, I'm going to give you some baby food. Yeah. And I thought, okay, well, maybe that's what I can handle. Uh-huh. So he brought this dish in, and I ate it. And the next day, I ate a whole raw Cornish game hen. <laughs> oh, wow. I thought there's no way that I'm going to eat baby food on Thanksgiving. <laughs> sure, yeah. Oh, I love Cornish hens. Now, the way we did raw Cornish game hens, and I do too. I love them instantly too. Uh, what we did then was uh, we had a... Uh, an oven that we would roast our birds in. And my dad had this interesting idea. He was a, quite a um, interesting person to cook things and try new stuff. And in those days, we had a powder that we used quite a bit. You don't hear it very much, and I don't even know if it's around. And the powder was called Tang. Oh, yeah. I remember Tang. Is that still mm-hmm. around, do you think? I don't know, but yeah, uh, I remember it. Well, I hated it. Yeah. Uh, I didn't <laughs> care, but yeah. But what he did was he made a concentrate, a paste out of tang, and brushed it on the outside of those birds. Oh, wow. Really? And, oh. oh, it was... That's different. Terrific. It was. It made an orange glaze, so it was like, it was like Rock Cornish game hen artificially a la rage. It was good. It's yeah. Good. Well, we have even stuffed Cornish hens, oh, yeah. although they are so tiny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you can do so much good stuff with. I mean, you can. I remember smoking them too, um, oh, and smoking, mm. smoking other hens. I still love turkey. On I love turkey several times a year. Oh, actually, my gosh, yeah. And I particularly like dark meat. I will eat white meat, mm-hmm. but I like dark meat. So I'm not big on a turkey breast, although you can still stuff a turkey breast if you want. And But a lot of people don't stuff birds as much as we used to, right. um, believing that the bacteria is an issue. And so stuffing gets cooked separately. Mm-hmm. Um, my sister has deboned a turkey. Somehow, I guess, stuffed it then and cooked it. I've never... I've never done that, but I still am your your turkey in the oven with at like 325 at 15 or 20 minutes a pound, um, you know. You said covering. it just right. The way to do it is at 325. There are many ways to do it. It's not even just one way. Oh. I've cooked, I think I've cooked turkey um, at a really low temperature, like 200 wrapped and, you know, covered and cooked it all night long um, in the oven and then uncovered it at the end and browned it. I mean, there are so many ways to do it. But the the one way that I started with, that's the way I've typically done it the most. And there's also fast-cooking turkeys yep. that you can cook at like near 500 degrees and they're done wow. in little time. And I've never tried that Honestly, nor do I really want to. I just don't. Yeah. I love the smell of it cooking the yeah. whole time. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about stuffing versus inside okay. and, and outside the, the bird. If you stuff today's methods state that if you make your stuffing, make the stuffing, make sure everything is cooked and warmed through. In other words, if you cook with broth. <laughs> Here we go, broth versus butter or both or whatever. But as long as things are heated 
and as long as you put the stuffing inside the bird when everything is warm and put it directly into the oven and have the temperature of the stuffing and the turkey at 165 degrees, including the breast and the thigh, that Mm -hmm. there is no danger. And that's really some good thing to know. And and loosely pack your turkeys. Yeah, loosely, right. Um, Because you're going to have problems if you don't. And don't let your turkey, once it's uh, cooked, don't let it sit out a lot where bacteria will start forming. Make sure and you get into they a cool ought, place. Yeah, and take the stuffing out. Yep, yep. And don't stuff it the night before. Oh, no. And, and have it all cold. Uh, yeah. And, you know, I typically, uh, when I have stuffed, you know, uh, clean it out, pat it dry. Yep. Lightly salt the cavity. I know some like, I know someone who likes onion powder in the cavity, and that's certainly fine. I'm curious to talk about different ways of making stuffing. Okay. Um, we have a family recipe. It's a secret. It's another secret. And it came about because there was no bread in the house one time. So what do you think we might have used? Oh, this isn't, this isn't a... Uh, uh. This isn't a sound bite. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh, let me think. What would you have used? Um but you have used some kind of muffin mix or nope n- nope no cornbread mix nope uh the person had the idea and you know when you want when you use bread usually it needs to be uh like old or stale they want it a little bit crusty you could always do that in the oven just slightly too that's what i that's what i do um, yeah so uh, the up. person got the idea to use saltines. Well, you'd have to use how many boxes of saltines would you use? No, two, like a couple of sleeves. Really? Yeah. And how did it uh, turn out? Oh, it's wonderful. It is still a favorite in my family. And we we like to eat it raw. We like it so much. Mm-hmm. I mean, we just like it leftovers. We like if there's so much that... You can't fit it all in the turkey, and we're just standing around eating it on, like, Thanksgiving or Christmas morning. It's like um, my nieces and my sister all still make it that way. Wow. And so it's still got the – it's still got milk and butter and, and egg and mm-hmm. onion and sage and um, – but you don't really have to add salt because of the salt in the saltines. Mm-hmm. And it's delicious. Now, I actually also really like uh, cornbread stuffing. Mm-hmm. And it, I'm hard-pressed, so I'm thinking I'm going to make both, just to have <laughs> some of both. Probably not as much of the saltine one, because there are more people here that would really like the um, cornbread the cornbread one. Yeah, well, guess where I'm going for Thanksgiving. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, she wants me to come over. She knows. Yeah. This is stuffing. Yeah, stuffing. Oh, I, I know. Oh, I it love is stuffing. A fa- stuffing in a sandwich, stuffing with gravy. Oh, it is so, it is so good. Let me tell you, and it's funny, Debbie and I were talking just a few days ago about putting the show together for you guys. And we decided not to do one this year. No. Um, <laughs> We 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 came across this idea that we both love the same kind of sandwich, and what 
you do is you put your turkey on it and you put your uh, cranberries on it and stuffing on the sandwich. And we said, well, I like that too. Yeah. And we're both going, wow. So you just make a Thanksgiving dinner turkey sandwich now. The next day or that yes, night? Yes, oh, that night. With some mayo. Mm. I, now, my favorite, I don't know what kind of bread you'd like. I don't, rem- I don't think we talked about that. But my favorite are those... Uh, we call them turkey buns. They're really small, little, tiny buns, and they are, I believe they're white. <clears throat> <laughs> Don't you get racist here. <laughs> run, run. Um, that's about as racy or racist as I'm going to get. I love whole grain breads, but, oh, for some reason, um, these little turkey buns are just, hmm. they're moist enough, and they pack. Uh, they just—they're so good with stuffing and little cranberry. You know, and, mm. I love to take—I love onion pita bread. I can't always find it oh, anymore. Mm. And I like to toast it enough so that it's not quite as soft, and mm. then slice it open carefully so that it's a really nice pocket. Mm-hmm. And then stuff it mm. <laughs> with stuffing. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Glad we cleared that up. So we got stuffing and race racist stuff going on. <laughs> what a show this is going to be. <laughs> oh my goodness. Um, but yeah. so, how do you make your stuffing? Do you use bread or? Oh yeah, I love cornbread stuffing, and what we've done. Now is we kind of make it a combination sometimes with cornbread and regular stuffing bread. Oh, that's good. And that's that's wonderful. Um, we made uh, I've made in the past rice stuffing, wild rice stuffing hmm. for turkey. And when it comes right down to it, it always reverts back to some corn of kind of a um, corn or something, some corn of a some kind of a cornbread <laughs> or bread type stuffing. <laughs> you know, I have also stuffed a turkey with vegetables. Oh yeah. Just vegetables. Mm-hmm. No other I've done that too. And but more now I will just not stuff it and bake the stuffing in a pan. I do that too. And that's really nice too because it gets a little crusty. And and here's the thing, don't pack your pan with stuffing. Just put it in there nicely. Don't just like press. I made a mistake one time of pressing it down into the pan. Just like, oh, yeah? just like putting as much as I could, just like <clears throat> cramming the stuffing into the pan and putting pressure on it so I could get more and more and more. And I ended up with a with a mess, actually. Oh, it, man. It was too mm. hard. It was not fluffy. Uh, and so what I've done is, you know, kind of loosely pack the pan. Mm-hmm. And when it's done cooking... I take a fork after a couple of minutes and fluff it up so it's nice uh-huh. and fluffy. Um, and back to the idea of uh, cooking the turkey at 325, usually mm-hmm. what I, I do is um, I put uh, salt and pepper on top and sometimes some strips of bacon. And, uh, and then I will start it cooking and after, oh, maybe an hour or two, make a just a tent with some foil not it'll be very loosely Mm -hmm. over the top and um i do look i do notice those uh cooking thermometers i don't always trust them but i do notice if they pop up now i did get that talking thermometer good so i might i might play with that but this year we i think we're getting the same guy that did that outrageously wonderful barbecue 
uh, he's he's uh, deep frying turkeys, and if his deep fried turkey is as good as his barbecue, wow. Now let's talk about how many different ways of cooking turkeys. Oh yeah. my goodness! Yes, lots. I have um, done one, of course, in the oven. Mm-hmm. I've done them in <clears throat> the smoker. Mm-hmm. I've done them in a uh, Weber kettle, which is a big charcoal grill. Mm-hmm. Um, I have done them in a rotisserie oven, just yep. rotisserie called the Showtime oven. Mm-hmm. I have done them in a deep fryer that will uh, cook inside your home. Not a not a propane, but um, I yeah. they're electrically operated. Mm-hmm. I like them all for different reasons. I love oh. I love smoked turkey, grilled turkey, the charcoal. Yeah. Um, and then you want to use the no peak method if you're going <coughs> to use a charcoal grill, which is you put certain amounts. I use a five quart pail of uh, like an ice cream pail. Put as much mm-hmm. charcoal as it'll hold. Get the coals ready, and then yeah, don't look at it for two hours and it's done. It's beautiful. Oh, I use a thermometer wow. for that. I still do. Mm-hmm. I recommend a thermometer. for. Have you gotten the eye grill? Because I have not. Oh, you know, I was just talking with Mike Calvo the other day. Um, we did an interview with him on Main Menu, for those of you who are following the Main mm-hmm. Menu show. And we did not put the this in there. But I want to tell you, um, we were talking about different thermometers. And uh, we were talking about the eye grill. And I'd like to own that. No, I don't have mm-hmm. it. Yeah, but here's the one that I would like. I'd like them. They make two of them. One monitors the temperature of your meat, and the other one monitors not only the temperature of your meat, but it also uh, um, monitors the environment of the grill itself. In other words, it takes the grill's temperature and mm-hmm. and the meat, and that's what I want. Hmm. Interesting. I know when I was living at Larry's, he used the eye grill and uh, cooked some lamb. And we were all, you know, walking around in the house and he was checking, you know, checking it right from, you know, his phone. It was great. You know, uh, there's so many different and it's 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 really weird how mystiques uh, are. I was grilling one time outside. I said, do you want to help me with this? I was talking to um, my dad's girlfriend at the time. I said, do you want to start the grill or should I? And she goes, well, I, that's a, you know, I, women don't do that. I, that's a man. It's not a women's thing. It's, it's a, it's for everybody. Grilling is for everybody. Yeah. And, um, so don't get, don't get wrapped up in. in People are funny that way mm-hmm. sometimes. Yeah. yeah. You know, uh, oh, that's a barbecue. That must be a man's thing. What? No. You know, and that's a kitchen. That's a woman's thing. What? Mm-hmm. No. Mm-mm. Yeah. Cooking is for everyone. Oh, it is. And I will get an eye grill for sure. Mm-hmm. But I want the more expensive one. <laughs> <laughs> it's just because it might, you want to know what the inside <clears throat> temperature is of your device that you're cooking in and the ambient temperature of your food. Talk to me about a brine. Sure. Talk to us what that is sure. and how you do it. Sure. You know, we could make like a three-parter out of this whole we thing. We could. For those of you who want to know what a brine is, um, it is a liquid that one immerses food uh, slash uh, more of a meat or bird into the liquid for a long period of time. Like a marinade, right? Yeah, exactly. And, uh, well, I had to think about it because uh, you can inject marinades where you can't inject brines. Oh, okay. Uh, a brine is more of a stronger solution. 
Okay. Um, a marinade is something that's not quite as strong, but you can inject uh, in in there. We could talk about injecting versus brining too. <laughs> now, uh, so what, what you is, let it soak in it or what? Yes, a real simple brine is sugar, water, and kosher salt. Mm-hmm. Kosher salt is a salt yeah. that's uh, more coarse and it's cheaper to buy than table salt. That's why people use it. I think for most reasons, because you do put quite a bit in there. Mm-hmm. And then your sugar and salt act as a, uh, a tenderizer. You add a little uh, bit of uh, apple cider vinegar, water, and aromatics. Now, you want to boil that up to dissolve the sugar and the water. And the reason that you want to boil it, and uh, a low boil, um, I might add, just don't you know put a hard boil on it. Uh, and the reason you want to do that is to melt the sugar and the aromatics. Um, not okay. not melt the aromatics, but dissolve them. Yeah. Let it cool off. And if you have to use ice to cool it off, so be it. But it should be cool because you don't want to put your meat into a <coughs> warm brine because that's how bacteria gets in. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah. Cool it down. Get a, a great – I have this one bowl called That's a Bowl. And mm. it's it's big. And it can hold two massive <laughs> – and I just did this, so I know – uh, it hold it could hold two massive pork loin roasts, mm, okay. uh, and they were nine pounds. As you remember, we were talking about this mm-hmm. last week. It held two pound, <clears throat> two nine pound roasts. Yeah. Now I've got this one thing called a Denny's meat tenderizer, and that pokes little flavor channels into it, and let that soak anywhere from four hours to overnight. I find the overnight works better. And what that does, it moistens the meat, and it keeps it um, makes it tender. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Breaks down all those okay. membranes is the word I was looking for. Okay, okay. <laughs> Once it's done, you take your turkey. Now, if you're going to use a turkey, I happen to have, and I'm lucky enough to own this, and I found this on a uh, on a website doing a search because I was going to make sauerkraut one year and did, and it was wonderful, by the way. Um, but the crock is a five-gallon crock, so I can go outside. I'm in the Midwest. So when it gets to be around Thanksgiving, it can be around 12 degrees above Mm-hmm. And I can just let that turkey soak outside sure, sure. overnight, and it doesn't yeah. freeze because there's salt uh, yeah. in the brine. And keep it covered, you know, so <laughs> dogs and raccoons won't Yeah, don't get come and it. eat your turkey. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And literally put pile a bunch of stuff on top of it, like covers and plates and pans and mm-hmm. you know, whatever, so nothing can get into it. And yeah. take it out of there. Then do whatever it is you want to do. Smoke it, barbecue it, grill it, um, oven it. So the purpose of it is to make it tender, and it also gets flavor, some flavor in oh. there. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So that's that's brining. Okay. And you, All can, right. you can brine pork chops or, you know, hmm. anything you can think of that you, that you want. You can, you can brine it, and it's wonderful stuff. Um, if you ever are caught on how to brine... Just Google it up, and uh, yeah. Uh, but if you have salt and spices, you're all set, and you need vinegar yeah. and sugar and stuff. So hmm. yeah, okay. I'll have to keep it in mind. Yeah, really try it. It's so good. Mm. Yeah, I know people have done it, but I never heard about it until oh, I don't know, maybe the last I don't know uh, six or eight years or something. I mean, I don't think I I didn't grow up hearing that term. In other words, mm-hmm. yeah, I've been brining for about. <clears throat> Maybe 20 years. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, once you brine, you won't go back. Yeah. It's that That's, good. 
And so I was talking, I was asking you about a capon mm-hmm. because I remember having them a couple of times mm-hmm. and it didn't just taste like chicken or turkey. I mean, it tasted, I don't know. Uh, well, they're a different rich flavor. Tasting. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they are a chicken that has been. Um, <laughs> well, they're 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 a rooster that has been de-roosterized. <laughs> is the best way that I can put it. <laughs> oh, that's great! Yeah, I was trying to think of how to how to put that, and all of a sudden, I just thought of it. <laughs> so, are they are they they're smaller than your average turkey? They are. They're about like uh, I want to say five or six pounds, oh, maybe more. They're like t- uh, eight to. Okay. 11 to 12 pounds. They're big. Okay. Okay. And uh, I love them. I remember roasting. having them a couple times, but they're not always easy to find. Mm-mm. They aren't. Yeah. And they also, if so, guys, if you have a Sam's Club or a, uh-huh. what's that other? Costco. Char- Costco, yeah. yeah. Um, usually you'll find some good roasting chickens. I thought, sorry, I just bought a turkey. Or, or a turkey or, yeah. or a capon. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't look for cape on there. You'll find some good um, Thanksgiving uh, yeah. meats, in other words. Mm-hmm. You know. um, and you'll you want to try to get them while they're on sale, if you possibly can, right around this time of year, which we're speaking to you on the 21st, I guess, as you'll hear this show. I think yeah, you will, on the 21st, yep. Of November. <clears throat> So just about now is when you want to go shopping for your turkeys, chickens, whatever, because they'll be on sale. Yep. For the most yep. part. Yep, and you know, I mean, once it's frozen, I mean, you you know, we we got one the other day, but now we're going to save it because we're going to get this deep fried one. Mm. And I said, well, if it's not big enough, we could always cook a second one, you know. <laughs> oh, I've done it. Well, as a matter of fact, mm-hmm. I'm going over uh, to spend Thanksgiving with a family member. And the exciting part about it is, is that you can do that, and I've done it once. You, you know, you want leftovers after Thanksgiving. Oh, I, I've done that too. I yeah. Cook, what do I do? Like uh, the next day, I cook a complete. Turkey I cook a dinner. complete. Yep, me too. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Because yeah, because we are like so it. Great. <laughs> the leftovers are so great. Yeah. Well, I have to confess that when I that I get up in the morning the next day and I often have pumpkin pie for breakfast. Well, you've confessed to the right person because he, <laughs> he does as well. <laughs> now, one thing that I dislike a lot is I, I just hate Thanksgiving leftovers in the microwave. Oh, yuck. I heat up my turkey. I go through a lot of work even with leftovers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I love cold turkey, first of all, but I also yep. will take aluminum foil and put it in the oven and yep. warm it up that way. I don't like it in microwave in the microwave. Sometimes I'll take a big skillet and put a lot of things in it that are being warmed up and not mix them all together, but have everything in its own kind of area. Right? Yeah. Oh, that was but, a hard word for me. <laughs> <laughs> It's like roosterized, yeah. roosterized. <laughs> well, yes. I invent but, things as I, as I speak. <laughs> I have, it's been a while since I've tried, but I remember years ago finding that turkey didn't freeze real well once it's cooked. Yeah, I know. 
That's interesting. Wow. That was a mess when I tried that. So what I do is I try to eat the whole turkey in a few days. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yes, and make soup. Oh, yeah. Oh, that, boy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of people tell me, have told me, and I've always done it, is to save the, the carcass of it and yep. make soup out of it. Mm-hmm. You'd be surprised how much meat you get off of it. A lot, yeah. And then I love that. Turkey bean soup. There's, um, oh my gosh, there's a lot of turkey. Oh, what is that called? I I really don't remember the term for it. But you guys, you should look up Rachel Ray's <laughs> turkey soup recipe, and it's something like bujo. Hmm. I, I don't know. But what, what it is, is is a Mexican Mexican turkey soup. And even before turkey soup, I've made tetrazzini and div- chicken or turkey divan. Uh, oh, those are wonderful dishes. And, and turkey pot pie. And don't forget, one of my favorites is turkey croquettes. Oh, yum. Oh, those are wonderful. Do you know how to do those? I kind of have an idea, but tell us. Well, it's just basically turkey um, that you chop up in small pieces and you can add... Uh, a little sage if you want, and just, you know, some aromatics, like I keep talking mm-hmm. about, basically aromatics. Remember, a <coughs> little thyme, spices, rosemary, spices, yeah. out, you mm-hmm. know, uh, sage. And then um, mm-hmm. make them small enough to where you can add your, um, some leftover mashed potatoes if you have them. Make them oh. into make them into patties, the whole thing. In mm-hmm. other words, onions go in, uh, your oh. turkey, your, uh, your turkey that you've made with spices and stuff. Uh, make a little turkey... Um, Turkey cakes, basically. Uh, oh, you uh, use mashed potatoes uh-huh. for them, huh? Yeah. Are we okay. And what do you what do you? I use think to? my I think when my mother made them, it was breadcrumbs. Usually, they have they're crusty on the outside. Yep. Well, when you fry them up, the mashed potatoes turn into. Oh, this. that's really good. Oh, you bet it is. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, mm. bring them when you come over. <laughs> <laughs> to eat some cornbread stuffing. Right? There you go. Yeah. Yeah. We really like hearing from you guys via voicemail. If you want to reach us and leave a voicemail, here's the number. 206-736-9301. Leave us a recipe. Let us know how we're doing. Have a suggestion? 206-736-9301. So with the various background noises going on here of a dog chewing on a bone and fax machine and things. Um, I thought I would just throw in a couple of other dessert recipes in case anybody would like them before Thanksgiving. Just a couple of favorites. So this one is for a sweet potato cheesecake. And I don't even really know who it was that made this, but I know my friend Miss Des and her brother and Um, his wife and I all drove to somebody's house in Atlanta who had been on the Food Network uh, and we bought this cheesecake along with, um, I think it was a key lime pie and got the recipe and uh, it's just wonderful. So I'm going to give you this in case you want it. All right. So, you're going to take a medium sweet potato and also um, 
a one loaf pound cake. Um, and, you know, uh, some of these pound cakes are round. I, I don't think I've used a whole round one, but you'll know. Um, you're going to want about 20 thin slices of pound cake. Three 8-ounce uh, um, three packages of cream cheese at room temperature. A cup of granulated sugar. I have gotten away with using a little bit less. And one time I made this and, and someone said, uh, I said I used a little less sugar. He said, thank you for anything you didn't put in it. Because <laughs> we knew it was so caloric and all that. So three eggs, a cup of heavy cream, a teaspoon of lemon extract, two, two teaspoons of vanilla extract, two spoons. Ah, I can't talk. Two teaspoons of ground nutmeg. So you're going to boil the sweet potato until tender, about 20 to 30 minutes. Now, I will tell you, I have, I don't so much anymore, but I have done it in the microwave. I've just baked it. I've baked it in the oven and peeled it. What you really want is a cooked sweet potato. Cool and peel, mash and set aside. And that should yield about a cup of sweet potato. Preheat oven to 350 degrees Fahrenheit. Line two nine-inch pie plates with thin slices of pound cake. Now, that's what this says. What I have done is I've used a spring form, spring form pan. Um, usually, I think I have a set of three of those. Usually, the, I've used the larger one. It might work in the medium as well. I don't remember. Um, firmly press into the bottom of the pan, pan or pans, that um, pound cake. And you're just going to want to push it in. Don't worry about it, because as you press it in, you want to make sure it's totally covered, but... It's not like you're going to have to worry about making sure it's all the same height or, I mean, because as you press, press on it, it will, it will form to what you want. You just want to cover the bottom and it will also come up the sides um, as you press it in. So you're going to set that aside. In a large bowl, beat cream cheese until fluffy. And then gradually add the sugar and mix it well. Add the eggs one at a time, beating well after each, and pour in the cream. Mix well, and I've usually used an electric mixer. Add mashed sweet potato. Mix well. Stir in the lemon extract, vanilla extract, and nutmeg. And mix all that well. Pour into your pan that has the pound cake or pans. Bake 45 minutes to an hour or until center is almost set. Remove it from the oven and cool at least one hour. And then they say remove it from the pan if you desire. Because it's a spring form pan, that's a pan that you lift the latch and the sides come off. And so that's all we've done to then cut it. And you're going to refrigerate it until it's ready to serve. And garnish as desired. So 
If you know about me making cheesecake, you know what I end up doing. I end up garnishing it with whipped cream and uh, strawberries and blueberries. That's typically. But you, you know, you don't have to use anything. Or you might make... Um, you might make another kind of topping other than whipped cream, or you might use other kinds of fruit like raspberries. Um, you know, it's just delicious. It's really, really nice. And it's, it's a way of, if you want to make that and take that somewhere, oh, you will, be, you will be remembered and appreciated. Now, here's another one of my favorites. I used to love to go into Ruby Tuesdays and get sweet potato pecan pie for dessert. And they took it off the menu, and I can't believe it. They didn't even ask my permission. Wow. <laughs> so I found a recipe for a sweet potato pecan pie that um, I think someone sent it to me. So this is really nice. I, if you love sweet potato pie, if you love pecan pie, well, this is really a neat way that they're kind of mixed together. Three eggs, a cup of sweet potatoes drained, so you're cooking them and, and draining them. Two-thirds cup of dark brown sugar. One and a half teaspoon of vanilla. One half cup of dark corn syrup. One-fourth teaspoon of cinnamon. A dash of nutmeg. One nine-inch unbaked pie crust. And one cup of pecan halves. Mash and drain the sweet potatoes. Preheat oven to 350. In a large bowl, beat eggs lightly. Beat mashed sweet potatoes, brown sugar, corn syrup, and vanilla and cinnamon and nutmeg until well mixed. Pour mixture into pie crust and then sprinkle with the pecans. So you're just going to basically cover the top of it with that, um, I think it was a half cup, oh no, one cup of pecan halves. So it'll give you enough to just cover the top of it real well. Um, okay, bake at one hour and 15 minutes or until knife inserted in center comes out clean, remove to wire rack and cool completely. And it serves eight, and that again, now that I have topped with whipped cream or ice cream. It's really, really nice. It's different, you know, it's different than, than the uh, typical pecan pie, and it's not just a sweet potato pie. So there you go. Would you like to have Cooking with the Hazelnuts as a podcast? You can subscribe manually. The URL is http colon slash slash acbradio.org slash hazelnuts.xml. Thank you for listening. I want to talk to you guys about a few recipes. And we're going to be all over the board here. In other words, I'm going to give you a cranberry orange relish recipe and we're going to talk about stuffing just a little bit what you're hearing in the background is a heater during this time of the year in the midwest we really need a lot of heat right now as i speak to you it's around 20 degrees and blustery and so you're hearing a little space heater in the background so that's what we in the midwest have to deal with this time of year 
I'm going to talk to you about cranberry relish. Now, one of the favorites that I think more adults like than kids, although kids sometimes tend to like it as well. Kids sometimes tend to like the traditional cranberry uh, that comes in a can, and they just slide out either in a whole cranberry or as a jelly. And uh, I have to admit, I do like that myself, especially when it's nice and cold. I really do like that. Just slice it off and eat it. But I'm going to talk to you about uh, a more of an adult type of cranberry relish, and this is uncooked. Now, it's very simple. Just three sometimes four ingredients. Now, you want to get whole cranberries and rinse them, and they come in a plastic bag, or even now I've seen them in a mesh bag, kind of like a onion bag. You can leave this recipe single or double. So you'll need, for a single recipe, one bag of cranberries, one orange peeled, quartered and seeded, one cup of sugar, and these will all go into a food processor, such as a KitchenAid, Blendtec, Vitamix, KTEC. Doesn't really matter what kind of a processor you use. Remember, you can double this recipe by adding an extra bag of cranberries, an extra cup of sugar, and an orange. Place all of these ingredients into your food processor. And the next step is to process it. Now, you don't want to grind it up into mush. You want to process it and have it so that it's, oh, uh, it has some body to it. In other words, don't turn it into juice. The next step is easy. You just take it out and put it into a bowl and mix it all together and put something on top of it like some plastic wrap. Now, if you're lucky to have lock and lock or some kind of bowls that you can put into all the better. You can just clamp those clamps down uh, and let it sit in your fridge for 24 hours. So of course you're gonna have to make this a little ahead of time and you have some of the best cranberry relish, I think, that you could possibly eat. Goes great with pork, turkey, or if you're a vegetarian, goes good with everything. Now, you can also change up the recipe a little bit. If you want to, you can add a little apple. Uh, you can um, add um, a little pinch of ginger. Kind of make it your own. Just sort of uh, play with it a little bit. It lasts for two weeks. Now, I've heard that uh, along the way, if you want to mix a little bit of mayonnaise with some of the cranberry relish, you can eat it as a sandwich. I prefer not to have mayo. I'm not really of a big mayo fan. But it's up to you. Sometimes I like to take the cranberry relish and actually put it on a turkey sandwich. It's really good. Now remember, if you're adding ginger to the cranberries, just add a pinch because ginger is very strong. And uh, let it all sit for uh, 24 hours, as I say, and you got some great cranberry relish. Okay, now I want to talk to you a little bit about stuffing. We talked about stuffing, Debbie and I uh, did earlier in the show. But I want to tell you a couple of different traditions of stuffing that we make. It's, uh, I think, quite good. Now, if you're a vegetarian, just omit this. But one of the most favorite stuffings that I ever made, and I will always remember this, was 
back in 1977, <laughs> a long time ago, when I was experimenting with a friend of mine from Rumson, New Jersey. We were playing around with stuffing. So we were in those days looking up traditional stuffing from a cookbook, and we saw one that looked really good. And what it is is a chestnut, not a water chestnut, but a chestnut stuffing. And we kicked it up a notch by adding sausage. Now, remember, if you're a vegetarian, obviously, you would omit the sausage. So what we did was we roughly ripped, or, well, some people cut, but I, I prefer ripping some nice crusty bread into cubes. And you don't want to grind it into powder. You don't want to rip it so much that it loses texture. And we soaked it in milk for half an hour. Then we uh, took the bread and drained the milk off of it because you don't want it too soppy. And you want to add traditional things like um, chicken broth and butter. And sometimes people don't prefer butter. Sometimes people do. Sometimes people add a dash of whipping cream to the uh, mix. So that's basically your uh, dry ingredients along with either fresh or powdered sage, uh, and then your aromatics. Remember, we were talking about aromatics, and I usually mention them at least once in the show. Uh, and that would be your parsley and thyme, pinch of rosemary, and basically those are your dry ingredients. So what you want to do is you want to brown your sausage, drain the grease off of it, and mix in some celery and onion, and cook those up. Um, the celery and onion, you want to partially cook them uh, for about, oh, let's say five to seven minutes, just so the onions and celery begin to become translucent, or uh, the proper word is sweat, sweating the onions and uh, the celery. To that, you add your chestnuts. Now, back in the 70s, the chestnuts had to be prepared, and what you did was you boiled the chestnuts in water for about 20 minutes till they become soft. Then you peel the shells off and cut up the chestnuts. And then you add them to the vegetable mix. And if it sounds like a lot of work, it kind of is, but the chestnuts give the texture of a uh, more of a harder carrot. Not a crunchy carrot, but a carrot that's not quite done. Once you add that to your mix, you mix everything together that we spoke about the bread mixture and spices and then the vegetables, put them all together and then loosely put them into a pan or uh, use the method of putting them in the turkey like we talked about and um, bake for around half an hour and then fluff with a fork afterwards. If you have never had sausage and chestnut stuffing, you are in for a real treat. And as I say, you know, you certainly can omit the sausage. Now, the sausage that we used back in those days was a maple sausage. You can use regular sausage and make sure the sausage is bulk. You want to um, break it up and brown it into a pan. The sausage these days comes in tubes, and they did back then as well. So uh, just uh, one tube of sausage. Um, I can almost assure you that if you try some of these recipes, you'll really like them. The chestnuts that uh, I used back then. I've only made this stuffing once. And why? Well, because the chestnuts um, 
were sometimes hard to find. You really have to ask somebody uh, where they are, and usually it's the supermarkets these days carry uh, chestnuts around this time of year. Now, these days you can buy chestnuts that are already shelled and prepared, so it's a little easier than what we had to do. Or you can find the traditional chestnuts if you want and go through the trouble that I did. So I hope you enjoy some of these recipes. And, of course, always remember, you can play with your food. In other words, you can experiment just a little bit. If you think something sounds really good, you can always add it in. Sometimes I add some chopped carrot to the stuffing, to the vegetables. And it's, it's all good. If you think something sounds really good in your stuffing, put it in. All right, everybody. That's some recipes. Hope you enjoy some of these tips. And we go back now to cooking with the hazelnuts. How would you like to submit a recipe to us? Just tell us the recipe you'd like to submit on Twitter at ACB Hazelnuts. That's A-C-B Hazelnuts. H-A-Z-E-L-N-U-T-S. Do you have a suggestion for the show? Just tweet us. Now it's time for sound bite. 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 I don't know why we laugh at sound bites all the time, but it's 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 got to be a classic, and we all know you yeah. love it. <laughs> I don't know if you love them, but we love them. <laughs> we do. So we'll keep bringing you sound bite bite bites as we as we go along with the show. All right, today's sound bite is when you are going to cook your turkey a lot of people think that what you should do is dump a whole bunch of uh, like olive oil or butter or whatever on the outside of the bird and that will give it the golden brown mm -hmm. texture and it 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 can do it but what you're missing out a lot on guys is that flavor just goes right off the turkey you don't really get that flavor so yeah. There's a thing you should do that one should do is take your fingers and put it under the breast skin, under the back, and get as much uh, of your hand as your of your fingers as you can, and then pull that skin back a little bit. And I don't mean give it a pull like a banana. I mean just work the skin back, add some either olive oil or butter, and and again I'm going to use this word your aromatics. And by now you guys know what I mean by aromatics. Uh, so basically what you're saying is you want to you want to be able to get that under the skin to more of the meat. To more of the meat. Yeah. The done. more of the meat, the better to eat. <laughs> <laughs> and, and of course, you know, once that's done, um, you can certainly put something a, a, a little on the outside of it, you know, to, to brown it up some. And uh, I guess what I suggest is to uh, use fresh sage. Oh, my God, I love fresh oh, sage. Oh, yes. And, you know, putting fresh sage inside the turkey, when even if you don't stuff it or any kind of uh, fresh... What? Stuff it. Stuff it. Uh, poultry seasoning or sage yep. inside the cavity. Mm -hmm. Yum. Mm -hmm. Yum, yum, yum. You bet. 
All right. Mm-hmm. Now we, that's basically uh, the end of the sound. Bite, bite, bite. Bite, 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 bite. Well, we're just about ready for a closing of the Cooking with the Hazelnut show, but we were remiss in talking about gravies. Yum. Give me gravy on my mashed potatoes. Some turkeys come with a packet of, like butterballs, come with a packet of um, drippings or something for gravy. But I've And I've added that to my own. Mm-hmm. Yep. Do the same thing. Mm-hmm. If you don't have enough drippings for a gravy, if you're yeah. deep frying a turkey, if you're if you're not going to have gravy, then you only have one choice, and that is to go get a. And we prefer jars. Uh, we being who you're listening to yeah. right now, mm-hmm. we prefer jar gravy because it's got the most drippings. Uh, you know, add that if you do have a packet of stuff <clears throat> from the inside of your turkey, put that in too, and and. Meaning of, of gravy or drippings. We don't mean just the gizzards, although some people do like right. to add. They like to make the giblets or giblets mm-hmm. and add that to their gravy. And I'm not a giblet fan. I have Me to tell either. you right now. I'm not good at separating the drippings. I don't strain it or do any of that because um, I don't really know how. And I just, I've tried to skim off some of that from the top, but it's, I've just always felt like, hey, you know what, get the good flavor in. And then if there's something to separate later, it might be easier the next day. Um, but I take my bird off and off the pan, put it on a platter, and then I just take the corner of the pan and pour it into um, a saucepan. I add flour or cornstarch. I usually add like maybe um, a couple of tablespoons full. And then I also add some water and mix that up and then put that on the stove. That's what I do. And when it comes to a boil, I add uh, kitchen bouquet and, of course, salt and pepper. And then bring it to a boil and where it will thicken when once it's boiling. And stir, 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 stir. Now, what do you do, big R? What I do is... I mix up in cornstarch or flour a little warm water, mix that really mm-hmm. well. And then while the drippings are coming to a boil, pour that in there and stir, stir, stir. I find myself when I do it that in that method that it does not lump at all and you're good to go. Okay. You mix them separately? You mix the water and the flour or cornstarch separately? Yep. And then you add it to the drippings. When okay, they're boiling. That's... When they're boiling. You just have the drippings by themselves boiling. Cor- okay, that's correct. interesting. Correct. All right. Then you get no lumps. <clears throat> okay. And I find that maximum stirring helps to keep the lumps out. Mm-hmm. So, rule of thumb, stir, stir, stir. Mm-hmm. That's right. And I do the same thing Debbie does. I, I don't uh, <laughs> strain anything. I just put it in. <laughs> Although, if I'm going to do that... Uh, if one must, I take a paper towel and put ice cubes in it and turn it so the ice cubes are facing the gravy oh. and mop it up because you get the cold there you go. from the ice. The grease sticks to the paper towel. Things are usually so crazy around the holidays, I don't do that, but, but you can. Yeah. Or okay. invest in a good gravy separator, <clears throat> which I don't which know how to use. I, me either. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, and so you'll find that the gravy will be thicker the next day. Now, I do find there are people who always want to add water to thin something out the next day. I don't because when you heat it, it's going to thin out again. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
I can eat gravy right out of the bowl. Ah, Me God, too. I love, I love it. I used to think gravy train dog food sounded really, really appetizing. <laughs> well, it is appetizing. I eat you, that for hors d'oeuvres. You eat it regularly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for an appetizer <laughs> before the Thanksgiving meal. <laughs> oh, <isn't> <laughs> I think we should say goodbye. So long, farewell, and... <laughs> we'll be back next week after Thanksgiving. We might be talking about more leftovers. Oh, yeah. And on into more holiday goodies. Yep. And enjoy, everybody. And <clears throat> don't forget to stuff it. <laughs> <laughs> Randy said it. <laughs> See you later, everybody. Okay. In closing, I'd just like to say have a great holiday, everybody. Oddly enough, the song in the background that you're hearing is Gravy Waltz by Bill Justice. Here's a little outtake for you. While we were talking about making gravy, I made a slip. And the rest is, well, you decide. Take care, everybody. If you don't have enough drippings for a gravy, if you bur- uh, burn. <laughs> if you... <laughs> <laughs> Don't mind us. We're just going to laugh for 10 minutes. I hope I didn't get any gravy on my tie.